When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got nards. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. clever to say this time sorry everybody no i like it that's fair we'll hello hello i am also here <laughs> welcome back to another episode with the jersey ghouls that's right and tonight we're going to tackle arguably one of the titans of horror dare i say uh a one mr david cronenberg yeah we uh checked out shivers and the fly yeah, yeah, and I think we should just jump right in here, and we'll start with um, 1975's very controversial Canadian film about a bunch of sex deviants called Shivers. Yeah, it was terrible. Stop it. <laughs> oh my god. You stop it right there. So I didn't know anything about this movie. I have never seen this movie, and one of my first notes was, oh no, this is going to be like Slither and Puppet Master. And for you old school Jersey Ghouls fans that heard our Puppet Master episode, you know that there are very few things in horror movies that I don't like, but when things come out of somebody's mouth, like the slug woman in Puppet Master, and pretty much the whole movie Slither, it really grosses me out. Like really, it's just like the one thing I have to turn away from. And this movie was just nothing but like weird sluggy parasite things coming out of mouths and it Nate, take a memo for our bucket list. At some point, we have to have parasites come out of our mouths in Jackie's presence. <laughs> Just to see what happens. Just put it on the old bucket list. <laughs> no, don't make those noises. I will vomit. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> all right, so I'm going to start out by first of all saying that before you get to trash in it too bad, because I do know that this, this film is not for everybody. Let me start off by saying that I think uh, Slither and Puppet Master would not exist without Cronenberg and his body horror films, because he really did kind of set the bar for those. I also would like to throw out there that in 1975, he very smartly goes up to good old Canada and he gets... Um, he uses the tax shelter laws to get the funding for this film. And this film was filmed for $185,000, which is fucking dirt cheap, uh, even for 1975. And he very cleverly kind of starts the trend of people going up to Canada to get tax shelter money, because the rule was back then, just a little quick history lesson, that if you didn't make any profit off the movie, they wouldn't tax your movie. So they would, what? yeah, you would invest in a movie and if you, they fucked up or they wouldn't charge you any taxes until you made a decent profit. But what happened was David Cronenberg goes up there, steals the money right off the bat, and then Canada's like, fuck, what did we do? Because they basically funded Shivers. 
So then Shivers, which was not called Shivers, it was called Parasite Murders in Canada, was banned. And they were like, no, we take it back. No, and, and, all <laughs> no of, yeah, and all of the filmmakers were like, no, no take backsies. You said that we could make films and you wouldn't tax us. Ironically, after they tried to ban it and after it became this big hullabaloo, of all the films that they funded in the, in the late 70s in this tax shelter, Cronenberg's Shivers was the only one who made any money. So, really, they, it was the only film they were able to actually get any sort of money back. But what it did do was it helped, it really helped Canada become a place where people go to make films. And still to this day, like, Montreal and Quebec are really big hubs for filmmaking mm -hmm. because of these laws from the 1970s and because David, uh, David Cronenberg totally took advantage of it to make a really shocking film at the time. Um, so, I want to give him a shout-out for fucking over the system, bringing uh, filmmaking to <laughs> Canada. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to take away from David Cronenberg. Like honestly, if it was you know 1995 and Tim Burton made this exact movie, I would still not like it, and I would still think it's icky because I just yeah, I, it's just sure. Yeah, I, I just get it. Can't. I don't think you're a body horror person. I I guess not. I just as long as nothing comes out of your mouth, like that's where it's just hey, like, Jackie. Up. <laughs> it's so gross. I can't do it. So yeah, like I said, I'm not trying. I don't. I'm not dissing Cronenberg. I'm just. Dissing icky stuff coming out your mouth. I'm going to learn how to like sword swallow and then put like a fake worm down my throat just to be able to bring it back out for you <laughs> live on the air. Can we do that? I mean, anything's possible if you can imagine it. <laughs> so I'm looking for new podcast partners. Can, are you interested in I think it's worth it. The Jersey Ghouls. How much could it possibly cost to learn that skill? Right. <laughs> <laughs> what else do I have to do with my time? Um, all right, so Jackie, why don't you, since you love this film so much, why don't you synopsize it for us? In an exclusive and secluded apartment building, an unknown sickness disease is racing through everyone that lives there. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to give you inspiration by pretending a parasite was coming out of my mouth. One doctor is set to task to try to figure out what's going on and how to cure it. Before everyone <laughs> is taken over by the parasite. You guys are making your gross faces. <laughs> I'm just going to close my eyes. I'm going to do this podcast with my eyes. This closed. whole movie was just a bunch of gross faces and boobs. Like, that, was the, that was the whole movie. Gross, gross faces, boobs, and poop monsters. And rapiness. So, so in this movie, so we find out pretty quickly that there is a, a parasite that, that gets implanted into a girl. Who is promiscuous? She's very promiscuous, and she promiscuous <laughs> through her promiscuity, she's spreading this parasite because it spreads, I guess, through bodily fluid or just no. Well, it spreads like it spreads. I don't know, like, like parasite you, you, would. You vomit into somebody else's mouth. I think I think that the parasite made her promiscuous. Yeah, well, because the, when the you, doctor thought everyone was too uptight and wasn't being true to themselves, so he started doing experiments on this girl, and it got out of hand. Yeah, well, the, the parasite itself makes you sexually aggressive and violently aggressive, so. As Marissa mentioned earlier, it is it's a really rapey film. Like the 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 movie opens with a rape scene, but and at first I was like really turned off by that. Like, oh great, like this movie is just like it's going to be one rape scene after the other. But now that I've seen the whole movie, it's, I don't. I'm not against the fact that like it's in context. It's not like the rape scene. Like, okay, yeah, obviously I'm not in support of rape in any way, but I feel like it's in context of the movie and of the plot. 
that it happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and they don't show much at all. They like, really don't. Yeah, it's really... like you see somebody struggle, but like I feel like it's very, it's not a gratuitous. It's not a, that's the word. It's, it's not gratuitous. It's because as soon as that slug gets transplanted to the next person, there is no more rape. It's just like okay, let's go, let's find some more people. You know, like it's it stops becoming involuntary at that point, and they just become another person in the sexual collective. Also, I don't know the name of the the younger guy. There's like the the married couple. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick. I just okay. Nick, I just kept calling him David Schwimmer. <laughs> <laughs> He's a creeper and a half. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty good summary. And basically, it it ends with the doctor being taken over by the parasites too. Yeah, mm-hmm. he he fails basically. He does. Um, um, P.S. I don't know who that actor was, and I don't know if this is you know Amazon to blame or what. But I had to put subtitles on because I could understand and hear everybody except him. He's in my notes as Dr. Mumbles. First, second note, Racist. mumble acting, new genre. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had to go with subtitles. I feel like I missed half the movie. <laughs> also, and this is something we talked about in our group chat, but can we bring back movies that have pickles in them? Because that pickle scene, Always. it made me... I, I there, was, there was multiple pickle cameos <laughs> in this movie. I don't think it was accidental, you guys, because they look like penises. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, the guy's eating a pickle. The other guy takes takes the guy's pickle and is about to walk out. And he's like, yo, give me the pickle. And he throws it back at him. He's got a lot of energy. He throws so. the pickle back at him. Then they cut back to that doctor later, and he's got another pickle. I, I think, he loves him a good pickle. I said, what does this guy eat, like a dozen pickles a day? I would eat a dozen yeah. pickles if they were readily available yeah, to me. Pickles are in constant Constant source in my house. Yeah, we get the big, we get the big thing from, oh, yeah. from Santa. Love us, love us some some kosher dills. You don't like pickles? I don't hate them. I just don't. Ooh, I'm not a big what? fan. Chad likes bread and butter pickles. Yeah, no, that's nasty. No, I guys. like the sweet gherkins. That's that's my favorite. No, 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 no. You gotta get the sours. Sours. Ew. No, you, I, I only the dills or the sweet gherkins. No, you and only Chad dills. Likes bread and butters, and those are gross. Yeah, bread and butters and sweet gherkins are gross God, to me. I love sweet gherkins. I only like the dill pickles. I hope you guys are enjoying our pickle podcast. <laughs> Come back next week. Jordan's for the pickle ghouls. The Jersey pickles. The Jersey gherkins. The Jersey gherkins. The Jersey gherkins podcast. That's the winner. Jersey gherks. We're going to Jersey gherks. We're going to change our format. We're going to talk about pickles. Welcome to pickle chat. This pickle podcast has been brought to you by NPR, a PBS station. Because I feel like they would have pickle podcasts. Um, all right, let's get back to the movie. How I funny bone did myself. Oh no, um, pickles. So okay, so oh. I'm gonna say that I don't hate this film. I don't think it's something I go out of my way to watch for giggles. No, um, but I don't hate it, and I love. I do love that in 1975, it's a pretty relevant statement on the fear of sexually transmitted diseases. I mean, you look at the mid 70s, and what better time to really kind of fuck with people's heads and exploit their fears of disease. Because, like, it ends with all the people who are infected, like, driving off the little island, which I love. I love the ending. And I also love this idea of, like, punishing, like, the original girl who's, like, the patient zero was basically punished because she was promiscuous. But her promiscuity also fucked over all the D-bags who were having relationships with her, even though she was, like, a young girl. Um, so I love that, like, it was this huge parable for, like, the AIDS epidemic and how fearful we are. And I love that Cronenberg always exploits our secret fears of shit that's going on around us. Like Videodrome, uh, Shivers, The Fly, which we'll talk about in a few. All of these films take shit that's going on in the moment and say, look at how fucking bad it can go. 
And I respect him for that. I like I like that about Cronenberg. Well, I was reading about Cronenberg, and it, it seems like <coughs> he doesn't understand people. And it seems like he relates more with the little slug poops than the people, because they, they make order out of these chaotic people with all their repressed emotions and sexual desires and stuff. So I'd like to kind of throw out there that the reason why I do like this movie, even though I don't think I'd go back and watch it for kicks at any given time, but I like that it's not really super gory, even though you're so freaking skeeved out by it. Most of, like, the, the, the creepiness of it comes from, like, the people's being so maniacal and the rapes are, like, you never see a rape and you never, like, it's no. all just suggested, but it still feels so icky, which I, I think is a testament to Cronenberg. The, the rape, it was never, I don't it was even, never gratuitous. I don't even think it was supposed to be, like, rape. I think it was just supposed to be, like, someone being like, now you're fixed. Now, you, because you want this, and you want to do this, but there's something inside of you that's keeping you from doing this, and I put the thing inside of you, now you don't care anymore. Yeah, and, I like... I think it's more, it's not, it's not really rape in the traditional sense it is because there's, they're putting something in you to make you want to do this but it's not in the traditional sense and that's what i don't understand so mm -hmm. the original girl patient zero annabelle she has, she, yeah annabelle she has the parasite in her yes her the doctor put it in. the doctor put it in her her promiscuity is infecting other people because the right Nick, the, the married guy gets it, and the doctor gets it. I don't understand why she is fighting him off if she's got it in her already. I know. I think I know, Marissa, for the win. Um, it's because he's been experimenting on her. Like, she's been his experiment thing. So I think that her initial infection doesn't manifest itself the way that... Because, like, once he gets the parasite down, that's when shit goes immediately wrong. So, like, I think she's had the infection, but she's just had, like, weird strains of it the whole time. Because he's been trying to get it perfect and using her as his guinea pig. Because I know that part of the thing is he's cutting it out of her. Right. Because yes. he realizes like that he done messed up. But it's too late. Yeah, I agree. I think it's interesting to think that she's punished for her promiscuity because then it also punishes all the little skeevers who also had sex with her because she was mm -hmm. like a young kid. I love that Cronenberg forces us to face the things that we're scared of in the moment. I think this is an obvious uh, parable for like the AIDS epidemic. I feel like it was more prophetic than anything. Like he, like there was other stuff and, and he was, he was expecting like something really bad to happen because of it. Yeah. And I think the mid to late seventies was when it really was like the origin of the epidemic yeah. and people had no clue what the hell was going on and people were scared. People were scared of this idea that our bodies can be the ultimate weapon and that disease and this thing that we all crave in sex and, and lust and everything can be the thing that kills us. I think that was a really cool thing to play off of. And I think if you look at his other films like Videodrome and like The Fly, I think he likes to play off of people's fears in the moment. Like fear of science or fear of television or whatever the hell it is. So to me, that's what makes Cronenberg worth his weight. Is that it? like a lot of people say he's just exploiting things? I don't know that I would count this as exploitative. No, I, I wouldn't, because I feel like there's, it's so it's I don't know. I feel like there's depth and meaning there because of the ambiguity. And usually, you know, in a, in a movie that's like an exploitation film, it's very clear what's going on. Yeah, you I know, think like, so too. and I, I never felt like like you guys have said earlier. It never really felt gratuitous, even though this movie's all about making people want to bang with slugs. Yeah, and, and in the end, you know, the doctor fails because in the end, the whole entire apartment complex yeah. gets infected. And I do love, I know I'm skipping right to the end, I love the scene, I think you had said this too, when they're all driving off their little island and they're all happy and the mm -hmm. music's playing and yeah. everybody is pulling out and they're heading out to infect the rest of the world. Yeah. In fact, one of my 
favorite things that happened in this movie, and I have no idea why it just strikes me so, but the married couple, Nick, uh, David Schwimmer, and his <laughs> wife, um, like, he's, like, he spends the first part of the movie, he's acting, he's very sick, and she just is thinking that he's got something wrong, it's a stomach virus, or maybe it's cancer or a tumor, and she reaches out to the doctor because she wants the doctor to come up and try to help him, and, I mean, obviously the audience, we know that he's got these parasites in him, so at one point, she, he's in bed, and she comes up to check on him, and he was like, let's make love. We need to make love. And she's saying, no, no, because he's been a dick to her for, like, a couple, like, a he day. He really has, yeah. So she's just not into it, and she's like, no, 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 and, you know, he tries to get a little rapey, and she fights him off or whatever. And what I love is toward the end of the movie, um, one of her friends, she goes to see one of her yes. friends, and the friend says to her, she was like, you know, she's trying to get makey outy, and she's like, let's do it. And the woman is like... Yep, okay. And, yeah. like, there is oh zero resistance to her having this, uh, you Yay. know, affair with another woman. I have that here. note, too. I love that scene so much. It's so empowering. It's and such it, a 70s feminist statement. Yeah, and at the very end, the two women are together in the car. Like, all the couples that pair off, at mm -hmm. the very end, it's the two women in the car. Yeah, I, I just thought that was really Yeah, cool. because I think there is, I mean, through the whole film, they suggest that there's this, like, unhappiness in the marriage, and there's because of the time or because of whatever, that there's nothing she can do about it. Like, Nick kind of sucks. He's cheating on her with a fucking kid. He's, like, skeevy and an a-hole. And then he gets infected and acts like even more of a jerk. And, yeah, she's consenting and into it with the other girl. And I love it because I feel like she gets, like, a... I, there's, like, a happy, a happy ending for yeah. her. Yeah. I fucking love it, too, Jackie. I'm right there with you. And I'm proud of you for picking it up. Because it is, to me, it's a very second-wave feminist. But it's, but it's all bittersweet, too, because everyone's just acting like that because of slugs... Or are they? Because she isn't infected yet, and I yes, think the other yes, woman... The, the other woman is, though. I know. Yeah. I'd like to pretend she's not at that moment yet. Because <laughs> that, that, that whole bathtub part... Happy. They do. They do make me happy. I, I also think it's worth mentioning that he really fucked himself over with this film, because like people wouldn't fund his other films after this, because they were so horrified by it. Yeah, but he got, he got like, um, movie deals and stuff that, that helped him out. It took like, a while, though. Like, yeah. he got some, he got some big budget movies. He, he, he did, he, he did okay. Yeah, but for himself, he couldn't make another film until Rabbit, and that was a bomb. Well, like I was saying to you guys on, on Facebook Messenger, I really want to watch Eastern Promises and A History of Violence now, because I had no idea that was Cronenberg, but... I knew they're I knew they're crazy violent, but that's all I know. But now I'm like super interested in them. I was like, wow, what can these movies be about? He's kind of like he kind of reminds me of like David Lynch in certain ways that like I don't know, like his movies are kind of like they're not plot driven. They're like emotionally driven. It's weird. Like I don't know how to I don't know how to explain it. In fact, you might just want to cut this out. No, no, I think you're onto something. Let's explore that. Because I don't know every Cronenberg movie that I can think of, like the plot doesn't really move the movie ahead too much. Like things happen in the movie, but I have that note with the fly. I'm it's like, like dreamlike. Or yeah, something. it's like, like I don't know if I'm supposed to be watching characters here. Like, if I, am I supposed to be looking at this as a character study or mm -hmm. as a plot about science gone wrong? Because he. What I think my biggest gripe with him is, and I think you, you actually said it in a way that I just couldn't get to in writing or in my head, he doesn't know whether he's writing a fucking character study or a fucking plot-driven, and a history of violence, I think he finally gets it. Like, okay. watch those later movies, because I think he finally irons that shit out for himself, because he makes character-driven movies. Okay. But, like, with both of these films, it's like, you don't give enough of a fuck about the character, but you know you're supposed to, and it's all, like... And, and we'll talk about it more when we get to The Fly, because I think it's more apparent to me in The Fly, this whole struggle. Okay. But in Shivers, it's like, I don't, 
Like, I think this is your grave too, Jackie. I don't give two fucks about any of these people. Yeah. yeah. And, he and it fails. doesn't even seem like what's happening to them is that bad. No, I'm like, yeah. Like, oh, they, all get to, they all get to have sex Orgies, and, and, yeah. be, and be smiling. Like, no one looks upset. Like, once they're infected, like, it's like, oh, let's have a great time. It's not like zombie movies where, like, you know, you get infected and you start falling apart and you try to attack your loved ones. It's, it's different, you know? Like, it seemed like not kind, not that bad, honestly, to get no, slug yeah. infected. You I just have, like, movement on. in your stomach sometimes, and you get to play with it and be like, I love you, baby. I love your stomach <laughs> slug. I'm going to poke you for a little while. And like I think... I'm, like I'm diddling myself. <laughs> and I think another thing that he definitely, like, plays with in all of his films is, like, this fear of science. Like, that scientists are really fucking around in ways that they shouldn't be, and that it's going to really end poorly for humanity. <laughs> Nate mentioned before that, like, he was like, I think, like... He doesn't associate or identify with the humans. He associates with other things. I, I don't have the exact interview this is from, but if you want to look it up on Wikipedia, there's a there's a citation there. He said that he, um, especially, I mean, specifically in the case of Shivers, he uh, identifies more with the disease, the slug creatures, than any of the characters in the movie. Which is fascinating. It's really fascinating. Yeah. I don't understand what he means by it, but I think it's about the fact that people are, like... It's their fault. Well... It's the people want all these things, but then they repress themselves and they don't let themselves be who they want to be. And and he he appreciates the slugs because they give order to the chaos that is a, a person. It's like in the movie when he's like, you know, maybe the disease isn't so bad. Like, right? That's I think that's Cronenberg. If maybe this is freeing. true, maybe it's freeing. You know? Yeah, and, like and maybe these, it's a good and, thing in a way. Yeah. Um. What's interesting too is that like if. If it stands to reason that he associates with the parasites, maybe it's because it's like it makes me think of like alien. Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's not their fault. They are victims. Like it's. I mean, that's what people get for coming to their planet. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing with the parasites. Like they were made and they were like given this job, and now mm-hmm. that's a problem. So it's like I get it. I get why that would be sympathetic to someone who's like really turned off by society yeah like, and like disillusioned and stuff yeah, you know like it yeah. kind of makes sense and, it, and it makes sense when you think about like his some of his other movies and too when people start like like turning like becoming like technological and like becoming mm-hmm. like part machine and stuff like yeah thinking like, of video drum there it totally just adds like, up just like uh like casting away their humanity and becoming something more orderly something that makes more sense i do think that his films are really critical of humanity and like mm-hmm. have a very pessimistic view of not only just people in general but also of like the people who, pro- like, are progress. Like, I feel like he really kind of shows us the the dangers of the progress. Because at the end of the day, like, going back to our most primal selves is, would be a regression for mm-hmm. humans. And I think this movie's playing with the notion that is that, like, is that all that bad? And, you know, is there some truth to the idea that maybe... It's like the same thing I said when we watched that movie Mayhem. Like, is there something freeing about it? Is there something... There's a reason why they all look so fucking happy at the end. It's because they're doing nothing but banging and, like, hanging out. I get it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so I do... I think he plays with a lot of these themes and, and it carries through into the other fly... The other fly. The other film we're going to talk about tonight, too. This idea that maybe humans kind of suck. I get you, Cronenberg. I Me think too. You're, I think you're a bit out there and you need to dial back a little bit, but it seems like he's already done that and he doesn't need my advice <laughs> at this point. Now, Jackie, any thoughts on, like, why this didn't... Besides the fact that you really don't like watching things come out of people's mouths, um, any other reason why, like, this just didn't work for you? For me, this was just... And I'm gonna put this in the, the Venn diagram 
of kind of the zombie infection type mm. movie because we do have the idea of a foreign, not foreign substance, but just like someone, someone is causing, it's the chain reactions, the domino effect of something happening to you and the domino effect of I make it to happen to you and then you make it happen to him and then he makes it happen. So I, I put it in the same, not in the same genre, but in the same community, you know, as, as those kind of movies is what I'm long-windedly trying to say. Yeah. So in, in that vein, it was just, it was a little bit boring to me. And I think because I had zero fucks about any of the characters. I had no one to root for. I didn't care about anybody. You know, the story just was, I don't know. It was, it was a little bit, it wasn't like terribly boring. Like it kept my interest. I checked the time a couple times to see how much longer. Yeah, I no, that's, I mean, that's fair. You know? Um, so I think that was just my problem. It just, it really didn't hold my interest. And as far as those types of movies go, I don't know. Like, I just felt like at this point, and maybe it's because I've seen too many, that like, that almost seemed kind of old and played out. When but that really, he before, was like that, yeah. It, and it, well, yeah, it comes before so much of what I've seen. But at this point, it just, I mean, I appreciated the fact that they got the plot going right away. Like, it wasn't, like, a huge amount of exposition that had to happen before the action started to happen. I do appreciate that it was, like, right out the gate, you know. I liked, I kind of liked the way that the opening credits were the advertisement. Oh, that was, that was like, one of my favorite parts liked, of the movie. You know, and I liked that, you know, the action right away. Because as soon as that was done, here comes this scene where we're splitting it between this couple that's going to come and look at an apartment and the first attack between the doctor and Annabelle. So I like that things started moving right away very quickly. I like that as the audience, like, there was no mystery. We knew what was going on. You know, it, it all kind of came together. But I don't know, for some reason, it just, it didn't hold my interest. It felt kind of boring. It felt like I, I've seen it too many times. And it just didn't live up to that, that type of movie for me. But again, I understand that it comes before what I'm trying to compare it to. So mm -hmm. I know that without that movie these other movies that I like wouldn't be kind of thing. So like I can appreciate Cronenberg and I can appreciate the movie, but just, it just, it just didn't do it for me. No. If that, does that make sense? sense? No, or I think, I think it's because he was trying to tackle like these big, um, themes. these big themes, but he didn't really know how to also make it an entertaining movie with characters that you care about and stuff. I think it took him a while to figure out how to, get the movie to carry you along so the themes kind of work themselves out naturally. I think he was treating this movie very like as a very blunt instrument, you know, just to get his point across. And he was like, well, we need some more time, so we'll throw another scene here and some other characters here to fill up the time. But I don't think he particularly cared about any of these characters. No, that's that's. I think those are all fair statements. I also, though, think that if we're talking about it as a blunt object, which I think is a really apt description for it. I think that works a lot for me. Um, I think it works because it kind of pioneers body horror. I think it works because it's a parable for like the AIDS epidemic, even if it is a bit prophetic, which I also mm -hmm. think is fair. And also I freaking love that there's this like 
you know, like building where you're supposed to have everything you need and you never have to leave and you're going to fucking leave the dirt and the dank and the scary of the real world and you're going to live in your fucking cocoon and within that cocoon is where the fucking shit goes down. Because, you know, and again, it's maybe it's a microaggression or maybe it's just the fact that I I love the idea that you can't escape shit like this you in, can't in escape the real reality. world. It'll, it'll right. find you. And like Romero tried to pull this off in, in Land of the Dead, which bummed me out because it wasn't very good, but... um. You know, this idea that, like, you can't put yourself in a bubble and escape the diseases and the plagues of humanity, both the literal ones and the metaphorical ones. And I love that Cronenberg plays on that at a time when people aren't playing on that shit yet. In the 1970s, there was either the dank, scary, dark inner city areas or there were the really nice rich areas. There was little, you know, like, we were still ironing out the in-between. And even though now we're, like, eroding the in-between, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and, like, I love that he fucking said fuck it and he went right to the fucking rich white people and the occasional minority and he said, now I'm going to fucking infect all you're, of you. You're not safe. Not even in your right. home. Not in your bedroom. Yeah, fuck like, you. You're, you're, you're in it, too. I also do want to say, just because I love the 70s aesthetic, that I want to live there. Like, the Starliner? I do. No, I'm good. I, I mean, even... minus anyone trying to bomb a poo slug into my mouth. Who's if there's anybody that? who I want to see poo slugs get vomited into, it's rich white people who live in their fucking gated communities. Is that too much? I, I think strong? that's super fair. Yeah, thanks. All right. I appreciate that. Thanks. I know it's because I grew up in the inner city and have minority roots and much more closely identify with, you know, the poor people. I just want the avocado green... Um, like refrigerator. Oh, I me want, oh I want, like, it would fit so brown, well in my kitchen. I want the dark brown, avocado green, orange kitchen. That's just. I oh want my that. god, I want uh, that. that I'll take. You know, like yeah. I want the shag carving. I want the, <laughs> I want the seventies aesthetic. So I want to live there. That's that fair. Be, That's all fair. Also, I'm lazy and I hate being in a car. So the fact that like the deli and the doctor and the grocery mm-hmm. store is all right in the same. Oh yeah, you just take the elevator down. I love do that. I love how much they tried to create their own world and <laughs> the fucking disease got it anyway. He he he! Stupid rich people. Maybe people now need to watch this movie then and understand. Well, they probably wouldn't understand what what the hell is talking. Well, about. does this hold up? I don't know that it. You know, like Jackie's well, reaction to it made me wonder the, that. I think some of the themes are definitely valid, especially now with the totally. internet. Everyone's in a bubble now. Yeah, and, and everyone thinks they're exempt, and they're the only ones that knows what's going on in real life. When in fact, they they know a piece of it, and I think everyone knows a piece of it, but no one knows the whole thing because they don't want to look at anyone else's point of view. And the diseases may change, but they're still there. Mm -hmm. You know, the parasites and the scary things that happen to our bodies, like the names and faces and types may change, but they're all, I think all these themes still hold up. I really do. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like I said, I think it's fair to say that the movie itself may not hold up perfectly, but. No, no. I think it's, I think it's, it's one of those things where it's fun to, fun to talk about it after the fact, like look at it from a distance. I know. I like, I have no desire to watch it again. I, was, I looked at my notes real quick. There's an amazing car crash in this movie in the underground garage where, yeah. someone, gets, where someone gets T-sided yes. or whatever they call it. T-boned? T-boned. Amazing car crash. I don't know. I guess they just said fuck it and just went for it because it looks like they yeah. just had a car accident. I betcha of the $185,000, like 100000 of that went to that car scene. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good car that was a That was a really good car crash. I appreciate it. It looks super authentic. So, and, I, and I love 70s paint blood. Oh, me too. Yeah, There's something about nice. 70s painful that mm-hmm. does like really just kind of haunts me. I don't know why. Um, all right, so let's move on to 1986's The Fly. Yay, Jeff Goldblum. Brando Fly. 
<laughs> there is a band you were right. It only See, lasted for like you. two years and it only had like I a thousand knew, people. I huh? knew that there would yeah. already be a band called Brundlefly. So yeah. my note is that my garage band is not Brundle. Not Brundle's it's pretty good not too. Not Brundle. Is that's gonna How about be Brundle good? Baby? The br- <laughs> Because that's what they got at the end, a brundle baby. Um, so, first of all, let's just get it out there. Jeff Goldblum, like a good wine, only gets hotter with age. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is 1986. He's too and gross he in this, is. and bug eyed, no pun intended. Can I say something? I don't think he's a good actor. <gasps> I, I, think he's, I think he's a good Jeff Goldblum, and I think he's a very interesting person to watch. But I think throughout the course of this movie, he showed no depth. He didn't show the character change at That's all so until like his face was falling apart, and then he's like, "Where kill me?" But up until that point, he's like, "Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm uh, climbing on the, climbing on the ceiling now. Check, uh, check this out. I'm Jeff Goldblum." Like it was always, it always. Wait. Like I'm sure in his mind, I th- I think it's because his voice is so unique and the way he speaks is so unique that I couldn't really. <laughs> I couldn't really grunk any like wait, change wait. in the character. It was like, wait, well, wait. this is medium Jeff Goldblum. In the end of the movie, he's high level Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> like, okay, so I'm not going to disagree because I do find the performances to be problematic in this mm-hmm. film, short of Gina Davis because she's a goddess. But um, even though the cat, like her character development is problematic, her acting Terrible. is not. No, but she's a good actor. She's a great actress. But my big, my big mind blowing aha moment, besides the fact that maybe it turns out he's not a good. Actor is, I thought, I'm like, well, maybe he's playing like an Asperger's-y scientist, so maybe he's supposed to be awkward and socially ridiculous, but then when I look at his film, like, he really does play the same character. He's just a same guy. Like an Asperger's-y scientist smart guy. I think that's just, I think he's just like a really unique person. People are like, yeah, that's great. We want to put that in our movie because that would really fit this character. And I think he's just, he's just a character actor. You're not wrong. He's just a Steve Buscemi, you know? He's a... Jack Nicholson. The other problem is, at the end of the day, you're right, he plays the same fucking character over and over again. An Asperger's scientist. Mm-hmm. I watched, well, I watched a, um, Without, I know it's not a technical diagnosis. He's got, real, he's got a real creep factor going on, because I, I watched, there's this YouTube show sure. called Hot Ones, where they do an interview with increasingly hot hot wings that you have to eat before every question. And Jeff Goldblum was on, and he was creep. I couldn't even finish the 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 interview because he was like bothering me like Jeff Goldblum seemed like creepy just like the wow. way he talks and the way he looks at you and the way he'll like reach eyes. over and just touch you without you asking like like it, he just seems like a really strange like out of touch person that's been like too like high profile for too long that he doesn't know what it's like to be a normal person anymore I love you Jeff Goldblum please don't hate me what about in Transylvania 65000 his character's not normal like like his normal yeah. character what about Earth Girls are easy Oh, he's a little creepy in that. Yeah, but he's a little. He's like a weird, weird, like green monkey man or something. (laughs) Yeah, like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about Jeff. I I tell you what, I I I love him. I love him. I love him too. I just think that you know, I definitely watch this movie. It's like, man, he really is kind of kind of one note. I'm sorry, Jeff Goldblum, but you're kind of. I have. I have a note. I have a note about the way he uses his hand when he acts. Like he Mm -hmm. always. Yes. And it's it's like this whole it's always something with his Jackie? That's not acting. That's just Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> that's just how he is. Like he when he was on that like he was like like looking at the chicken wing and like holding it around and like just using it as a prop the entire time. Like that's just how he is. 
uses what he knows. I guess he so. I very he much knows what you've got. That's what yeah. I always say. I very much enjoy that he is the reason that we have Gina Davis in this movie because they were they were like dating. Oh, and, and Jeff was like, "You should put my girlfriend in the movie." Like, What's that it's, movie where she's like an undercover like spy and like Samuel L. Jackson like the long kiss goodnight. <gasps> Yes, I fucking love everything she's in. I oh my god, (laughs) she's just like I love her murder things nuts. It's like that um, she's an angel. It's that movie that just came out where the person has like a computer chip in them that everyone's saying oh go watch Upgrade. It's like that. It's like that. Dude, League of Their Own. She's like a sleeper agent. Yeah, she's great in the League of Their Own. She's great, and then she just went away. Speaking of Beetlejuice, I think I'm gonna try. She's Beetlejuice. I'm gonna try to get tickets to the Broadway show if anybody wants in on that action. They're There's doing. A, God damn! Do you know Broadway show of it's, everything? Uh, it's supposed yes. to. It looks like it's gonna be really good. They do have a uh, Broadway show of everything. And it looks like it's gonna be really good. And if you get tickets in previews, it's actually affordable. So I'm getting them. You y'all can join me or not. But they have an Evil Dead Broadway show. I know. Yeah. And it's actually I know. and it's fun. Um, Thelma and Louise too. Oh shit! Yeah, I do does. love me some Gina Davis. Yeah. yeah, that is awesome. Isn't uh uh Miss Sarandon in that as well? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Susan, Miss Sarandon, mm-hmm. if you're nasty. Jackie, why don't you uh sum up what this movie is about? Sure. Seth Rundle is an introverted scientist who. No, no, he has the same outfit. Like, Homer Simpson 12 times over. That is straight-up mental health issues. Like, he needs some fucking social counseling. Like, he needs, like, life skills counseling. But but he did say that he got it from Albert Einstein, and that is true. See, but I think that all goes hand-in-hand with his character. Yeah. Of, you know, that's the type of person he is. Like, he has no friends. He has no life. His whole entire life is this project that he's trying to... He is trying to revolutionize transportation. So, my first note, though is Gina, girl, you in danger. (laughs) You in danger, girl. Because why would she go to him? That is the creepiest fucking apartment ever. And, like, the fact that he does his science and then has a fucking futon, like he's in college, really bothers me. Because he's so creepy and weird. See, I think that all that's just part of the character. Yeah, Yeah, and it makes him creepy and weird. Oh, I don't don't don't, see creepy. You go home with him from a party? No, you do not. I do have the note about, you know, is that a pickup line or does he really want to show her his lab, quote unquote. Right. I don't I don't think that that's like a weird pickup line, but I think the whole aesthetic of his house slash lab, the fact that he sleeps on a couch, that he wears the same clothes every day so he doesn't have to think about it because all he wants to think about is making this project a reality. It's just a little heavy handed. I no, I, I, I don't know. I, I definitely believe there's people like that, and you wouldn't even know it. And I would not go back to their apartment if they wanted to show me their latest experiment. <laughs> well, she was just chasing the story. She was, and right. he, And he convinced her that there was a story there. Yeah, and a story's going to get you but fucking why was he, murdered. why was he at this party in the first place? I, exactly. That's the He's question. He's not getting invited to a party. That's, that's the question because that's out of character. That is the only the only time he's really out of character in this movie. Well, that and when he turns into a giant fly. Wasn't the <laughs> that's in character? Wasn't the party being thrown by the like the company that funds him? Was it? I I feel like the party may have been by I, the company that funded. I feel like there is something that I missed there because it seems really weird that he'd be at this party. Yeah, but, like he's but, not. The but otherwise, but otherwise, he only thinks about this. But this one time he went to a party, right. like it seems really like coincidental to start your movie on. You know. I don't know. I like the way that he he talks about it in the beginning. That you know, and not that it's good ethics, but how you know he hires this one person to make this one part, and he hires another person to make this other part. And no one has all the plans to the parts. So Except him. 
except him. And it's kind of almost like H.H. Holmes with his big murder hotel where mm -hmm. he had some of the plans go this way, some of the plans go this way, but he's the only one that had the master plan to put it all together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can see, obviously, you know, his secrecy because he wants to be the one to make this breakthrough. He wants to be the one to be put on the map for the first ever, you know, teleportation device. So I can Which see leads to his demise. Really stupidly, if I might add. Yeah, what a fucking... Like, really, first of all, don't like, blame her. No. The fact that you're a that's fucking That's the whole thing I was trying to find you about. <gasps> Victim blaming. <laughs> yes, I, I will. Right, I'll let's save let's continue. Okay, okay, okay. so Sorry. he goes to this party. I don't even think he did the whole... Did we... I don't even think no, he was invited. I think we got sidetracked. We did get sidetracked. An introverted scientist uh, invents teleportation, but in his um, inaugural uh, journey from one pod to another, in his drunkenness, he doesn't notice that a fly has gotten into the pod with him. So his computer doesn't know what to do with these two different genetic makeups. So what does it do? But it just puts them together. And then slowly throughout the rest of the movie... Seth Brundle starts to become Brundle Fly until he becomes like the fly. The fly. The fly. So that's the brief synopsis. Yeah, that so, was good. Yeah, so let's get like to so we like get to the points of um he makes an attempt to show her, like, okay, babe, here we go. Let's transport a living organism. Because they finally got it oh, down. Fucking baboon. And we have the baboon. Which one thing? The I ba -ba -ba baboon. Versus <laughs> <is> like <laughs> Are they his I roommates? sent you a video. Yeah, she was like are they his roommates? This is why you need the video thing, because while we're watching, we will randomly views. So while I was watching the fly, I was like, wait, what the fuck? Does he just live with the baboon? Because, like, he yeah. hangs out with the baboon while he drinks. Yeah. Like, they're, like, fucking yeah, parties. It's true. So and where does the baboon go? So, well, here's the thing. If the Ooh, sorry. If There's the more than one. There's two of them. There's the brothers. Yeah, well, the one got fucking turned well, inside out. I agree. Yeah. And if that's the roommate, that's a really fucked up thing to that be your roommate. That is a fucked up thing to be your roommate. Yeah. And then your other roommate who watches his brother get turned inside out is just fucking hanging out with you while you're drinking. Does the, does the baboon drink too? I wrote, like, couldn't he have used a mouse or something? Yeah. And, like, start off smaller. It's funny that that was like, your thought. Well, no, like, when you do, like, experiments like this, you're supposed to start with, like, a single-celled organism and then work your way up. You don't just throw a fucking monkey in there and be like, let's go for it. All the, all the bananas. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, I see what you did there. Nate, I think this also calls back to your really important point that Cronenberg hearts himself some awkward, like, inept characters. Like, I feel like because Cronenberg probably in real life is inept and socially uncomfortable, and, mm -hmm. like, I'm not criticizing him because I get it, but, like... All of his characters just like are they're like not quite real. Like, yeah. I mean, I would argue that Gina Davis brings that reality to her character because she's a fucking good ass actress. But like, even her character, you're like, what the fuck are you doing half the time? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It, I just the characterization in this film, especially Jeff Goldblum, like his quirks. I think you guys find like endearing, like the whole character. Like for the record, I did write buying the same outfit twelve different ones is genius, but um, it's just weird. Like it makes it hard for me to relate to him. And when he turns into a fly, like it's like it's hard to mourn the lack of his humanity because he never fucking had a full humanity. It was so fucking weird. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like Cronenberg, like, approximates a lot of things that he doesn't understand about how people should interact with each other. Uh, for instance, the first time that he goes through, and he gets he goes through with a fly, when Gina Davis comes, comes like back, she's not, like, freaked out at all that he went through this thing. Well, she's worried. She's not. 
Well, she she does the hippity dippity with him, but she's worried. She does the hippity dippity. He's like, I went through, and she's like, Oh, you didn't you want to wait? And he's like, No, I, I couldn't wait. Oh, like that's yeah, it. Like right. she's she just kind of she's kind of like ambivalent yeah. about it. She should be like, What the fuck, dude? Are you like are you? Like, I thought you were going to run a bunch of tests. Yeah. Like, are you going to... Well, like, she says you... that, though. She's like, I thought yeah, we were going to... Yeah, because the baboon was supposed to get tested to make sure he was perfectly fine right. after the fact. And yes, yeah, she and he was never like, did it. Yeah. And she was just, like, okay with it. She was yeah. like, she was like, well, she oh, was... well, shouldn't you have done all those tests and stuff? And he's like, no, nah, I don't want to. And she's like, okay. She was also yeah. okay with, like, hugging him and touching him when he was, like... Radioactive. Yeah. Oh, God, so. when she... The one hug, I thought I was going to vomit on myself. Like, I realized why I never watched this as a kid, and that's because the images of him as the fly always fucking scared the pants off of me as a kid. Like, I was like, this is as icky as I fucking dreamt it was going to be. I, I never watched this when I was a kid. Me neither. But... but I kind of did. Because oh. it was on a VHS tape. My parents used to, uh, like, they would have, like, free HBO and Showtime, like, weekends sometimes. When they would just give you the channel for free, my parents would yeah. tape all that shit. So we had all these <laughs> blank tapes. And one of them had the fly on it. And I tried to watch because I knew it was a horror movie. Because I'd seen the box in the horror section at, like, the rental store. So I put it on. And I'm like, boring, boring. Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. I get to the part where he's doing the arm wrestling. And I was like, enough. But that image of the dude's wrist just, like, going, like, like right through, so like, gross. <laughs> that stuck with me. But I never got to, like, the Rundle fly stuff and the, like, end of the movie when he's, like, falling apart. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, the for, another note I have while we're at, like, their relationship is watching Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum do a sex scene is the opposite of sexy to me. Like, I was just, like, it was like watching, like, your parents. Like, I was just like, I don't want to see yeah. this. Please stop. Like, why was it so awkward? Like. Well, the second time, like, she's, like, <laughs> totally, like, she's like, dude, I'm done. Like, my vagina hurts. It's like, it's, stop the it. The second one is super awkward. <laughs> and like, he's like, no, I need to keep going. We can keep going. Ew. And, yeah, like, oh, God, it's so skeevy. It's like, after a Cronenberg film, you just want to take a shower. Like, yeah, I think that's accurate. Jesus Christ. Um. God. No, I just, I want to point out the actor that plays Dan, Stan? Stathis. Stathis. Um, I, he, his name is John Getz. Yes. And yes. from like the late 80s to early 90s, I know him as like the best like jerk actor. Like he plays he the was best jerk. the a-hole. And yeah. oh my God, in Curly Sue mm-hmm. and Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter Dead. <gasps> oh my God, he's yeah. in Don't Tell... He's Holy the smarmy shit. guy that like, the... goes after her. And, no, no, they, no. He, you know, he, he, not he's... David Duchovny's one, the other guy, the older, older guy. David Duchovny's not in that movie. Oh, yes, he is, my friend. Oh. Don't tell Jackie that David Duchovny is. <laughs> so don't tell mom the baby. <laughs> well, no, no, he's the one, he's dating Rose. And then he Yeah, he's the her. old guy. Yeah, but David Duchovny plays the boyfriend of the secretary chick who's, who's out to get him. The dishes are done, baby. <laughs> I love that movie. I fucking love that That's movie. That's right. Oh, oh my god, oh. I forgot about that. I may have had a serious obsession with David Duchovny during the X-Files that, that movie is, you ask Lola, that is one of her all-time favorite movies. Don't tell mom the babies are dead. That and Saving Silverman are like two of her Saving absolute... Saving Silverman? <laughs> Isn't it the Diamond thing? That's no, great. it's not even that. No, Neil, no that movie is funny. I, that I'm sorry. Movie is good. That movie but is like, funny. She, there's like certain it's just funny to picture likes, Lola watching that one. Like, yeah, Don't tell mom the babies are dead. Like, crack it up. And Saving Silverman are two it's of very cute. absolute favorite movies. That's we love right you, Lola. Steve, you me. But anyway, John Getz plays 
such a good asshole. Oh, he and, really is just a fucking a-hole. And he was, um, you know, in this movie, he's also playing Oh, an shit, asshole. he was in Homeland, too. We, I didn't realize. He also plays a really creepy, scary guy in Homeland, too. It's, go. good, it's a good he, show. So, but, but he has a bit of a turnaround in this movie. Okay, so we need to really dissect whether or not he's a villain, because yeah. early on, I'm like, ew, he's, like, rapey. He wouldn't give the key back. I'm like, ew, give the right. key back, yeah, asshole. Even though she should have just fucking changed the locks. Or, like, when he's, like, Want to just have sex as friends? Like, no, bro. Like, stop. You're a fucking creeper. But then at the end, I'm like, oh. No, he's like, like I, so non-judgmental. So, yeah, he's like just trying to help her. Supportive yeah. and nice and like lets her stay. Like, I'm sorry, but if my ex comes back and is like, ah, fuck, I'm pregnant with this guy's baby. Help me get boarded. I'm going to be like, you're fucking, you dug that grave. You can fucking dig yeah. your ass right out of it. Well, like, he must really love her. Like, he kind of redeems himself. I'm not, Both his, in the dream his, sequence his, and yeah. in real life. His behavior is not excusable, but his later actions yeah, I wrote make him a kind of nice Yeah, make him a redeemable character. And here's the thing. He's not guilty. Well, no, he's guilty of some stuff that, that Seth is not, but... Okay, so I'm going to get right into the thing that I was telling you about earlier. Mm -hmm. So, his whole entire motivation for getting into the transporter, his the whole plot driven of the fly, is is it her fault? No, is it her fault? So proud of you. Because you know, if if she would not have run off so abruptly to go deal with Stanthus, which was the right thing to right, do, but now she didn't explain that to him. She didn't tell him, hey, this fucking is an him an explanation. No, I know, I know, no, I'll get there. I know. <laughs> so I'm just saying, it's like, so is it, you know, is it that situation? Or is this a statement on the negative effects of, like, the male machismo? If he wasn't so jealous about, like, you know, when he's sitting there doing that whole baboon conversation of, No, that's he's an not just boyfriend. They're, like, fucking know? spooning him yeah. and the baboon. Well, he's like, that's an ex-boyfriend, and he's getting progressively more and more drunk he keeps mm -hmm. drinking and he's going through that whole thing and his like angry drunk is what leads to his unsupervised jump because he wants to prove to her that he's the best he wants to prove that he's got the biggest balls yeah. so he goes in so the best way that he can overpower stanthus is i'm gonna make this work and it all falls apart for him literally but here's the thing Stanthus is no less guilty of that jealousy thing because that's what's driving him to kind of get under Gina Davis's skin with that whole cover that starts the whole fly process because he's trying to get under her. He wants to steal the article. He wants to put the article out. So mm -hmm. they're both doing this whole like male machismo, like alpha male thing. And I don't, I don't know where else to go from there. That's no, Jesus. I'm so fucking like <laughs> literally if I could like, I feel like I just, the mama bird just, like, lets you out of the feminism <laughs> nest. So I'm like, fly, little feminist bird, because you're always like, I'm not the feminist, I'm, I'm just the fangirl of the podcast. And I'm like, fly, little pretty fly, because you did it, Jackie, you did it. You did it. Um, you did do it. Now, what I would like to do, though, is toss this over to Nate, because, Nate, is this fucking offensive to men, like, this fucking portrayal of alpha-dogging? No, it's super. It's super accurate. Oh, well, well, honestly, well. like if there wasn't like a crazy machine that would make you into a monster, like this would be super normal. Like this would be a super normal occurrence, you know. Yeah. And it, I, I gotta give David Cronenberg props though, because he never makes it feel like it's mansplained or like permissible that he does this. He's kind of like like these fucking a holes. You know what I mean? Like the the movie doesn't portray either of them in a positive light, so. You gotta give it kudos for never victim blaming, because Gina Davis is ultimately a victim of the shit. Although, hashtag wrap it up, dude. 
Like, come on, Gina. He just went through a fucking radioactive fucking transporter and you're not going to use a condom? You deserve it. Girl, you deserve it. Now that I told you you were in danger and you didn't listen, you deserve what you got coming. Um, I think think they have sex first. And then he tells her. I don't think he tells her first. I think they're in bed afterwards and he tells her. Even after the creepy sex? No, no. I think he's talking about when she comes back. When she comes back. The night sex wasn't... He's asleep, and she wakes him up, and he said something about, you You didn't come home last night or whatever, and she's like, no, it's still nighttime, because he got Yeah, he tells her. Yeah, he tells her. So he does tell her. The creepy sex comes later. Okay, Gina Davis, way to go. Yeah. I was was trying to stick up for you, but... Now you... Hashtag wrap it up. Way to go. So, it only takes about an hour, and I end the movie for things to start getting really, really icky. Because this is the part when... The fingernails. The fingernails... Are coming off, and the 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 other thing outside of like the creepiness of things being you know coming out of people's mouths, the worst thing ever, the the, the recurring nightmare that just makes me wake up and just absolutely shiver, is the teeth, teeth. falling out. I know it. Oh. I know it. Oh. Although it was the nail when he really no, it's the teeth falling out. Thank you. The teeth yeah. falling out of his mouth. I. I had I literally turned my head away for a second because it's just so disgusting. I don't know. It made me think of like old Red and Stimpy and stuff. Like when his ear fell off. There's an old Red and Stimpy, and there's an old man, and like he's got like prosthetic ears and nose, and just like his body, his facial features are just falling off of him, and it's like slimy and stuff. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that that's just a reference to the fly. I have a recurring nightmare where I am in the bathroom brushing my teeth, and when I go to spit out all of like the toothpaste and the water, uh-huh. all of my teeth come out you with it. You have body horror image issues. <sighs> I think it's. I think that's supposed to be like a fear of aging thing. See, but that's oh, not me. I'm not afraid of aging. I'm like so down to clown with the fact that I'm 37. I know, but maybe subconsciously you are. Maybe I. Maybe don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm like excited about getting older. I want to be the old person that's really? still. Yeah. I got a little fear of it. No, I don't have any fear of getting older. I just no, I don't I've never really had an issue with like, yeah, I'm 37. Like who cares? Like you get older. It's normal. Like you like I think going back to like the conversation we had about women getting plastic surgery when they're older, like why are you going to deny it? Like, it's not like everybody else on earth is not aging and you're the only one aging, so you have to get plastic surgery. Like, fuck it. Like, well, I think it's because even though your body ages, your mind doesn't age the same rate. Uh, yeah, I know. You kind of, it's, it's kind of, exactly. <laughs> so I think that that's how, how well you are at like holding on to the, the youthfulness of your mind determines on how scared you are of aging. Yeah. Because I think it's yeah. like, I think it's like, uh, once it hits a certain point, it starts exponentially growing and you start kind of regressing. We got to talk about the abortion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Gina Davis, uh, thinks that she's pregnant with Brundlefly baby. And she has a dream where David Cronenberg removes it. <laughs> Big, gross worm Gigantic worm well, yeah, baby. Like, at this point, this is the point in the movie where, like, up to this point, Jeff Goldblum just thinks that he is going through all these changes and has the strength and the sexual prowess, he thinks it's just because, you know, his on a mel- um, on a molecular level, he was broken down and rebuilt. Mm-hmm. And with the rebuild comes this like renewed body. So he thinks that he's feeling so good just because of the transfer or just because he's gone through. 
And she's seeing that, like, no, something went wrong, something went wrong. And so finally, you know, he comes to terms with it, that something may have gone wrong. He looks into it, and boom, it's discovered. A fly was in there, and he's like, computer, what'd you do with the fly? Did I absorb it? And it was like, no, no, you didn't absorb it. I just put your DNA with his DNA, and I made a brown fly. Perfect. So, yeah, so... That being said, you know, all of the things are starting to happen to him. He's starting to deteriorate. He's starting to act more like a fly. This is the point where Veronica realizes she's pregnant. And because the pregnancy very well has happened after his teleportation, Mm -hmm. she's got some weird genetic Brundle fly baby all all up in her. And it's funny because when she's sitting there crying and screaming to Stanthus that, you know, I want to get rid of it. I want to get it out of me. Get this thing out of me. My note is, I hear you, girl. I'd feel the exact same way if I got pregnant too with a normal human. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, in 1986, you got to give him kudos for, for, like, straight up making an abortion such a normative choice. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I really thought yay to that. And I also thought it was interesting that, like, when he goes busted through the window... And he's, like, stealing her. And I'm like, mm, does he still have say over the baby at this point? Like, because I, like, you know what I mean? Like, you always advocate for, like, men's rights in those moments. But I'm like, mm, this is tricky. I really got to wrap my brain around this one. Also, did you see the David Cronenberg cameo as, yes, as, as the, the gynecologist? Yeah. And, uh, and did you, do you know why? Because people told him that he looks like a doctor. <laughs> and not a director. Like, he got a lot of, sh- he would always get made fun of for being, like, nerdy looking. scene there Well done, David. Well done. Very good. Oh, that was good. I liked, I don't know, I liked it was like a King Kong moment when he burst through the glass to like scoop her up. Oh my god, it's so funny because I was like, hashtag this just turned into a monster flick. Like, it does. The end, the last like half hour, you go from like a weird sci fi romantic comedy to not comedy, just romantic weirdo movie. To, like, now we're at straight-up monster flick. Well, because it's based on an old, like, what, 50s, like, Short uh, story horror movie. Right? And it was a pretty, you know, mm-hmm. on-the-nose horror flick with monsters and everything. Like, it was trying to totally, like, get a piece of that, you know, um, like, yeah, Dracula, think... the mummy, whole, like, uh, band of monsters. Be like, we got one, too. It's a fly. Yeah. And this guy's got a fly head um, because he wanted the transporter with the fly. And now he looks like a fly. Now, the other thing, too, is, like, there's a short story by Catherine Mansfield that's called The Fly, but there's also, I mean, like, obviously there's no escaping the fact that they did steal a little bit of this from Kafka, too. Like, this metamorphosis stuff. But, like, it's a very... You're gonna have to enlighten me on that one. Well, just because, like, I mean, Kafka's... I don't know anything about Franz Kafka. Franz Kafka? No, there's a story, there's a short story by Franz Kafka that is, um, the metamorphosis, and what happens is a guy wakes up, um, who is arguably just miserable and fucking terrible at life mm-hmm. and he wakes up and he's slowly turning into a fly and the entire oh. story is him gradually evolving into be- not even a fly a fucking cockroach actually which oh. is not coincidental because it's it's basically a statement on how we're all just cockroaches waiting to be just fucking stopped in life but it's that a very ag- it is you would love kafka i think i would <laughs> yeah you should read his stuff it's really good and it's a very existential and very like kind of like almost nihilistic look at humanity because it's basically like we're all fucking cockroaches just fucking crawling towards an inevitable desert, like end and and it's it's a very depressing and very kind of like sad statement on us as people 
And so I think there's 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 a parallel to be had there, although I think this one focuses more on how much we fuck ourselves up with science and how like science is taking away our humanity. So in in the metamorphosis, it is us that's taking away humanity like we're taking away because like the whole plot of the story is that this guy is so fucking miserable with his everyday he's like a fucking like traveling salesman and he hates his life so much and he lives with his parents and he's so miserable and he has no love in his life and he does nothing about it he never acts he never like makes his life better and in the story like the whole point is like you might as well be a fucking cockroach that gets stomped because you're not living a life that's worth living mm-hmm. so i think what cronenberg does with that general story is he says now it's not just the meaningless of life that's doing this. We're fucking, we're the cockroaches now because we're willingly turning ourselves into the fucking cockroaches. Like, we can't just be happy being human. We have to fucking be more, you know? And, like, it's such a statement on science. It's like a big, this movie to me is a big fuck you to science. Yeah, he is pretty anti-science. He is. I've read a lot about, he is like. He's pretty anti-science. And rightfully so, because we're going to fuck ourselves over Well, it's because we're letting it get away from us yeah, at this point, because now, now, now science is reaching the point where the, to make the really big advances, we need to do a whole bunch of hypothetical, like, simulations and computers, and we're getting stuff that we don't understand, and we're applying that and be like, oh, this works, but we don't understand how we got there. So we're starting to lose chunks of information and understanding as and to like, why things work, and then eventually, you know, we're just gonna like let computers make decisions for us. Yep. And, and then, true. what's the point of being a, like a human and having fucking agency and everything? I <sighs> know like, it's sad. So, like to to bring it full circle for Jeff Goldblum, everybody was too busy worrying about if they could, and not worrying about if they should. should. Holy shit! That and he always gets the hot chicks. And also kind of fucks around too, so. He's all about shoulda, not, not coulda. coulda. <laughs> <laughs> I think I butchered that line, by the way. Uh, but that's the, that's the sentiment. That is um, the sentiment. I'm trying to think of my head. All right. Any other notes on this? I think, obviously, this is a very pro-choice yeah, movie. Yeah, I do have, I have a couple more notes. Yeah, I, have, I, like, I like the last bit where he goes into the machine with nothing else in it, and he just starts becoming more machine. Yeah. And Let's he's got, like, wires that. and shit coming I out of them. I could have done without the acid vomit, but at the same time, oh, like, he awesome Santis. Yeah, it is really Stantis cool. Santis doesn't deserve that the shit. Way that, the way that he, like, gets that, the, the vom. But he, like, pulled himself together. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as much I know that we talked about in Shivers how we didn't care about any of the characters, and I know where she was saying you had a hard time like rooting for Jeff Goldblum in this movie mm-hmm. because of his character or whatever. Shit. But I'm not gonna lie, I when at the very end when she's got the gun and he is that like half machine, half fly, half human, whatever, like putting the barrel and he grabs on his the head. barrel of the gun and puts it to its own You're forehead. Right. I That's got a choked. little. Like, I got yeah. choked the petty, yeah, I got it too. I, got I didn't really care about his character either because he was very full of himself, even when he was like becoming a disgusting monster. Yeah, yeah. he was like, oh no, this is fucking awesome. Look, mm-hmm. I'm doing jump on the ceiling now. Woo! When he goes out yeah. and finds that random yeah. girl, Tawny. Oh, I felt yeah. so bad. And he like, like brings so her awkward. back just to like and be like okay get in the machine and she's like fucking asshole no No. like i thought we were going to breakfast yeah like like, i know and you can argue that he's not he's only an asshole because he turns into a fly but he's kind of an asshole at the beginning too but yeah when he takes the barrel and holds it to his head i got choked up i did me too a little i mean not did you really get choked up like you like had the tear well like oh no not me i was just like oh that's cute I think that that's more that that feeds more into the themes of uh letting uh science erode your humanity it's because after he goes in that machine, 
he starts becoming something else that's not human and he starts acting less human and starts caring less about human things like other people's emotions and stuff. So, um, speaking of Stathis and the ending, one of the big questions that's raised is whether or not, like, he becomes the ultimate, like, he, like he becomes heroic at the end. Because um, he fucking gets fucked up. Like, he, he gets acid-faced so. all over. And so, apparently, there's two versions of the ending that were supposed to come out. The first one was she and Stathis. So, like, she shoots him, which I like that part. That part gave me the feels. And it ends with her in bed with Stathis at the end, and he says to her, like, she wakes up out of a nightmare, and he says there's no baby and, like, rubs her belly. The other alternate ending that they, they filmed was that she wakes up alone in her bed, falls back asleep, has the weird creepy butterfly baby dream, but in this one, she wakes up and she's still clearly pregnant. And then, last but not least, the third alternate ending that was filmed was uh, she wakes up alone in bed, she actually has the baby in the dream, but is not visibly pregnant, but she's alone. So they finally went with ending it at the scene where she shoots him because they said that if they make the happy ending of her with Stathis or make a happy ending where she and the baby are the big focus, then it completely undermines the the Seth Brundle right. as the hero. Isn't there a sequel to this movie? There is. There is indeed. And it's done by the guy. The guy who directed it was the guy who did all the special effects for both films. Is it worth looking at? I can't. I don't know. I mean, it is, it's story, it's so, Veronica's not played by Gina Davis in the sequel, but it fo- I looked into this, it follows the story of her having Brundle Baby, and he's oh, really? like a fly. Well, yeah, that, that would make sense. I would watch it. I mean. I mean, uh, we've watched a lot worse. We, we have. We've watched way worse. Um, so yeah, so I'm interested, but I do think that like, I mean, what do you guys think? You think one of those endings would have been better? Or? No, no. I think no. that it, I think that it ends at the appropriate point. You don't need I'm any. Okay. Yeah, you don't like, need any yeah, we don't need the epilogue. Follow up. Yeah. Yeah, like it's like that, and that was such. Yeah, I agree. That like that's the moment you wanted to end on. Like it, it needs nothing else. Because it ends where she shoots him. Right? Yeah, she shoots yeah. him. Like you see her fade to black. You don't need anything else. Like it's like the, the nightmare is over. Like, so this is he is the where protagonist of this film, or like because I don't think he is. I think he's the antagonist of the film. Obviously, I think he's... I don't know. I guess you can make the argument either way. Maybe he's both. Yeah, I would, I would see him... Yeah, I don't know. I think... I would. I could say he's both. I would think he's more antagonist than protagonist. I think she's the protagonist. I think she's our Ripley in this one. Totally. Um, she's our final girl. Which, actually, it's funny because every now and then, I forget that it's Gina Davis in this movie, and I think it's Sigourney Weaver... And I don't it's know really why. really weird. But, like, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, and I literally can, and I don't know, I, I don't know why, but I, for some reason, this is the role where I'm like, yeah, it's, no, it's not Sigourney Weaver. It's Gina Davis. I don't know why I always interchange them in this one. But, yes, um, I think, I think he's more protagonist than, or more antagonist than protagonist. I think she is our protagonist through and through. I think so, too. And I think it's funny because the role reverse, oh, sorry, the, um, that switch where it goes from he that where Seth is the protagonist to the antagonist, Stanthus makes that switch from antagonist to protagonist. Air quotes protagonist. Like so, it's almost like their their roles kind of switch, but at the center of it is Veronica. Yeah, the truth is, is she should have fucking ditched all of them. Yeah. They're all fucking sucked. Um, cause like, I can't stand any of the men in this film, but that's just me. <laughs> Even before he becomes a fly, he's freaking intolerable as a human being. I don't, I don't have any more notes on this. Um, I haven't seen this, I haven't seen this movie in a while. 
and I really liked it. I'm glad I saw it. This is this yeah. is one that I'll, I'll I'll put in the rotation. Then. Really? Yeah. No, I, I like this. I don't know if I'd go even, my way to watch it again. Was, even even when it gets icky, I know the parts now where I need to just close my eyes. I liked it. I thought it was okay, but I, I don't know if I go running back to it. Yeah, I, I think I like I, I like certain things about it. I like like the aesthetic. I like the um I like the whole aliens aesthetic where it's like futuristic, but it's also like CRT monitors and everything's really really angular and not futuristic looking. Like um, I like all the like uh, the HR Geiger style where like there's wires and stuff coming out of people's faces. So like the end when. You know, he's got wires coming out of his body and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I like all that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like things about this movie, but I don't, I don't really care for the movie, like, as a whole. Like, I don't feel like... I don't know. I don't feel like it's really that enjoyable of an experience. Like, I don't feel like there's something always to keep my attention. But, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a big whiny baby. Who knows? No, no. I kind of feel the same way. I'm like, I, I, I'm glad I watched it because I had never seen it all the way through. But I don't know that I'd revisit it anytime soon, voluntarily. I have to admit, like, I, I just... The scenes where he was turning were just so gross. <laughs> well, I think that... I don't know. The, 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 like, the body horror stuff isn't that bad in this compared to some other movies I've seen. At the very end... Yeah, the yeah, very end, I think the moment where his jaw falls off, I think it's the most horrific thing oh, that happens Oh, I will admit that really, really sent... Like, I was really I think, creeped out. I think that's the worst thing that happens, but for the most part, I wasn't really that grossed out by it. Um, yeah. I think, I think all in all, I come out of this Team Cronenberg. Like, I want to watch... Like, it definitely like, makes me want to look more. Me too. Me too. Look more at his other movies. Because I think the only other things that I've seen from him is... Videodrome. Videodrome. And um, I've seen A History of Violence, which is really good. Yeah, I haven't... I, yeah, I think it's just Videodrome. I think Videodrome was the first one I saw, and that movie is something else. Yeah. <laughs> that, I don't even... I, I need to rewatch that, because I feel like I would probably get something more out of it now than I did before. And I have to admit, like, my mind was blown when you told me that he was a History of Violence, because that film, you would never know it's a Cronenberg mm-hmm. Like, now looking at it, I think I can see... Like, I want to watch it again now, but Viggo Morrison's really good in that, and it's, That's a lot of the reason I want to watch it. Yeah, I love him. Um, I love yeah. him. Um, but yeah, like, it's it's a good... It, it was a good movie. I remember it holding my interest in a moment where I didn't think it... Like, when Matt was like, let's watch this crime movie with Viggo Mortensen in it, and I was like, I'm not gonna be into that, but I actually really liked Isn't it. Isn't that based on a comic book, too? I believe so, yeah. Viggy, Viggy, Or like a Viggy, Viggy, Viggy. Um, anything else about our boy Cronenberg or The Fly? He's a cool dude. Or my brother. I'd high-five him if I were telling him person. Yeah, I'd be like, what's up? Like, yeah, dude, you made some pretty interesting stuff, and thank you for making it. And thanks for taking advantage of the good people of Canada to uh, to make your films. Yeah, Cheers to that, bro. Good job taking care of those dumb Canadians. Actually, he's Canadian, too, so... He is, and now he's a gem. He's Now he's like a, a shining jewel in their crown. Especially their filmmaking crown, because they could probably thank him for all the filmmaking going on up there. But And fun fact, this tax shelter laws are still in place in, in Canada. So when we make our first Jersey Eagles production... We might want to go to Canada see if they'll give us a little money. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Can I finish? Can I finish? Can I finish? I can't finish. I think this is a good show about David Cronenberg. Yay. It was pretty good. We have apologized for Brian Adams on multiple occasions. (laughs)
<laughs> All right, we hope you guys yeah. have enjoyed our episode on David Cronenberg, where we've talked about Shivers and the Fly. Yeah. Don't forget to check us out on social media. Just search Jersey Girls, and you will find us on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Facebook. And you can find our podcast pretty much everywhere. We're on Google Play, TuneIn, iHeartRadio. We are on We're iTunes. everywhere. We're everywhere. So, uh, yeah, so check us out there. Uh, if you go onto iTunes, please rate and review us, because that really helps us out with visibility and don't forget to check out jerseyghouls.com you are going to find our podcast there but you're also going to find our movie reviews our blog and all the happenings that are going on with us okay bye bye it's You're listening to the Geekscape Network.